since 1939 so it's like yeah well it's winter for sure <laughs> well it's a delight for uh, for Beth and I to be here and uh, I think last time I ended up coming without her I don't remember now which time I've been with with or without so we were hoping to get here a few weeks ago and of course Wyoming roads would not permit so uh, we're delighted to be here today and so for those of you that may be new and, uh, or haven't seen me or had me around before, you know, I uh, grew up in Wyoming, grew up in Buffalo, and uh, grew up on a ranch there. I uh, have a lovely wife that uh, has endured me for 46 plus years. So we are now in the, four, yeah, that's a miracle. You have no idea. <laughs> Yeah, she is the smartest, most beautiful woman I know. But not necessarily because she married me, because she keeps me from a whole lot of stuff that would be a problem. Anyway, yeah, we have three sons and uh, 11 grandchildren. Woo! Yeah. And it's awesome. So uh, I don't know that I'll be able to keep up with Michael and Christy but, uh, and grandchildren, but, but anyhow, we gave it a good run. So... It's really good to be here. Uh, I, I just want to kind of uh, launch off of what you heard last week. And so if you weren't here last week, it'd be really good for you to go online and tap into that message that, uh, that your pastor brought last week. It was excellent. And uh, just helping us to understand the need for us to hear God as well as reading his word. Because sometimes... You know, we can read the Word and think, well, I, I'm, I'm reading God's Word. Yes, you are, but, but He wants to speak to you through the Word. Amen. And that's personal. He wants to make it personal. He wants to make it to where it fits your life. It fits what you're going through. It fits what, what you're facing right now. He wants to minister to you real life experience in real time. Amen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so uh, I just want to encourage you that that we would continue to give ourselves to grow up in him. You know, I, I've been saved um, a long time. <laughs> uh, let's see, I'm not sure exactly, about 50 years. And 50-some, uh, maybe a little over. And, you know, I've been on this journey. I've been pastoring for 47 years, 46 and a half. And, you know, it's amazing to me that I am learning something all the time. It's amazing to me. That God is so good, so loving, so kind that he continues to give to me more insight and understanding. And it's like sometimes, I'm sure some of you have felt this before, but it's like, well, why in the world didn't I know this before? <laughs> I've read this a hundred times, and why didn't that stand out before? Well, it's because Holy Spirit knows what I need right now. And that's where understanding the word as it ministers to you in real time. See, because it's, he wants to address what you're going through today. See, he's not worried about where you've been. 
Woo! It's really quiet in here. <laughs> you, you folks have to understand, you know, I grew up on a ranch. I'm kind of, I'm just, you know, I used to as a plow boy. I, I really never did do much plowing, but, uh, you know, I trailed a lot of sheep and moved a lot of cows. But the reality is, is that, you know, I, I'm just pretty simple. Whatever the Word says, that's kind of what I take it as. But understand that, that the Holy Spirit has a way of, of enlightening that, making it real, more real than what we can even imagine. And he makes it real for the situation that we're in right now today. It's not about yesterday. Sometimes we, we spend more time worrying about what happened yesterday and why things didn't go better and why things didn't turn out like we thought they would and why God didn't answer like we thought he should. You know, we worry more about that than what we're dealing with right now. And unfortunately, we've let our past determine what we're living in right now. Instead of knowing what God's saying right now, that's saying, hey, I've called you to live at a higher level. Many of us are living below our pay scale. Do you know that? We're living way below our pay scale. And he's saying, listen, no, I've called you to be sons and daughters. See? Now I'm going to read a couple of scriptures today that talk about us becoming slaves to him, but understand in that word, in the, in the Greek language, that, that meant that you are fully surrendered. You are totally bought in. You are his and he is yours. God never gives us anything where he says, I want everything you've got and you're going to have to give it to me or I'm not playing. See, no, he doesn't do that. He says, no, I'm going to give you everything I've got so that you have the wherewithal, the grace, the mercy, and the faith to give me everything you've got. I've already given it to you. I have it. I'm pouring it out for you so that you can give it back to me. See? He doesn't doesn't demand something that he's not willing to give. So he's given his all through Jesus Christ on the cross. He's given it all in order to redeem for himself a people called by his name who are awesome in the earth in real time. But we have to change how we think because many times, see, our past continues to define us. But God has called us to live in real time. And he wants to empower us to live different today than I was thinking yesterday. Now, did you hear what I said? See, In order for me to live like he chooses for me to live today, I'm going to have to change what I was thinking yesterday. Because what I'm thinking tends to hold me in what I believe. And I live out what I believe. So if you don't like where you're, you know, some of the things going on in your life right now, you need to change what you believe about yourself or change what you believe about God. See, because our identity is completely, entirely sealed in the reality of who we believe God is. Amen. You guys are really quiet. You're going to have to help me today. (coughs) Excuse me. So, let's look at the scripture. I've got a whole lot of stuff here. Woo-hoo! I've got two pages. That's pretty good. Usually I've got four or five. But I've got about six sermons in one. Now, you just need to know, I had a sermon already about two weeks ago, and, and I figured that, well, I just, well, squeezed it in, too. 
<laughs> so, so here's the thing. Pastor talked about this last week. He made this statement. He says, listen, the Bible plus humility equals the reality that you are able to hear God. It opens the way for you to hear God. The Word of God plus your humility opens the way to hear God. Okay? Now, we can say, yeah, that's good. But here's the problem. See, a lot of times we say that's good, but we don't believe it. See, we were just singing songs, and as we were singing this, I will build my life on, see, you know what that is? That's a declaration. When you make that statement, you're declaring something. Okay? And a declaration, see, sometimes people say, well, I don't don't like making declarations. Well, here's the problem. See, because we think, well, I feel like a hypocrite because, because some of that's not really true yet. Well, listen, let's just make the declaration and just keep making the declaration until our faith catches up with it. (laughs) That is a good place to say it. (laughs) You can talk back a little bit today. It's all right. (laughs) See, See, we need to make declaration and let our faith catch up. See, some of us are waiting until we get it all perfect, and then we'll start making a declaration. Well, that's never going to happen, so you're going to be a long time waiting. And you're going to miss out on a whole lot of things that God has already created for you to do and to walk in. You're missing. Now, bless, our, bless the guys that are doing the slides, because I haven't touched anything I gave them yet. <laughs> so you got to bless those guys. <laughs> All right, all right. We gotta get to this. I hope you packed your lunch. Did you? Did you bring your lunch? All right. Listen. So we're gonna jump in here. Galatians chapter five, verse one. Let's go there. And uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go through several scriptures, but I, I, it all is going somewhere. So hang on with me, will you? Can can we do that? Amen. <laughs> yes. We're hanging on. <sighs> Some of you thinking this guy is a nutcase. Come on. All right. Now you have to understand, you know, yeah, some of us that are from Wyoming, actually from Wyoming, you know, uh, yeah, we, we think a little different and probably act a lot different. So here's what he says, right? Galatians 5.1. Christ has liberated us. Some translations say, It says, Christ has liberated us into freedom. Here it says, in the Holman, it says, Christ has liberated us into, to be free. In uh, New Living, it says, so Christ has truly set us free. And we, you know, we read that and it's like, that's so cool. But the problem is that most of us, and I include myself in that, most of us are not living at the level of freedom that Jesus Christ died for us to have. We're not living in that level of freedom that he calls us into. See, because we have a wrong definition of freedom. Here's an interesting thing. Let me just talk about it. And and, uh, Pastor Michael was talking about it last week about the power of the word, the word of God, and 
and its influence in our lives and so on. But here's the thing. Here's the problem with reading words on a page is that every one of us have a different scope or understanding of that word from anybody else. See? Because that word is based on what we've experienced about that word and what we've learned about that word, which may be different than anybody else. And so every one of us, as I use the word father, well, that can mean any number of things for us. See? For me, many years, it was a very abusive, difficult, hard, hateful situation. Father. If somebody said, Father, my, my emotions went negative immediately. Some of you had fathers like my, my wife, her father. I loved the man very much. He was an awesome dad. So we have a different definition. You say, Father, one says, wow, I love my dad. And others are gone. if I never saw him again, it'd be too soon. You see, so that definition of that word de- determines what we believe about that word. You, you follow me? See, because the word, the, the words are incomplete. They're, they're not able to give us a full understanding and that's why it's so important that we, that we tune our hearts to Christ, to the Holy Spirit, to let Him take the Word of God as we read it and bring understanding to us because otherwise we tend to run it through the filter of our definition of the words. How are we doing? <laughs> so here's the thing, see, freedom can mean, well, I can do whatever I want to. Or it can mean freedom. That means there's a price to pay, and I'm going to have to pay the price. Or freedom is that I'm free to be something that I've never been. See, freedom means different things to different people, depending on where you're at in the spectrum and how you think. But it'll affect what you believe. And what you believe is what you're going to live. And so if you're called to live in freedom, if you're called to live in freedom, then you're going to have to get God's definition of what that's going to look like because your definition is going to be compromised at best. So here's what he says, right? He says, Christ has liberated us into freedom. Stand firm, therefore, then, and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. NLT says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. (laughs) In other words, it's going to cost you to stay free. Do you understand that? The devil is not going to let you continue to live and just think and, and operate in the fullness of what God has for you unopposed. He is going to try to take your head off and convince you that because you failed before, you're going to fail. Come on, help me. You're going to fail. See, that's how the devil operates. You failed before. See, some of us, we fail so many times, we think, well, if God hasn't given up on me, it's a miracle. Right? Come on. Oh, if you haven't experienced that, oh, I could give you lots of illustrations. (laughs) See? Because we, we tend to look at our, our actions and our behavior and our past 
When God's saying, listen, I'm not looking at that. I paid the price for that on the cross. It's already paid for in full. It's already paid for. Your sin, your past, all that's paid for. It's done. It's over. There's one, not one minute of your past you can relive. Not one. So you just well be looking at what I'm looking at. That I'm, I'm speaking as God would be speaking. God's saying, listen, I want you to look at what I'm looking at because I see in you great potential to become a man, a woman of faith that will do things that are extraordinary. Yes. See? We might have to do a name change one of these days. Extraordinary faith. <laughs> I don't know that. I didn't mean to set that up, but anyway, it just kind of came to me there. All right, here we go. So let's look. Here he says, listen, stand firm in the freedom that you have. Stand firm in it. You're going to have to fight to stand there. Listen, you think the devil's going to roll over just because you gave your life to Jesus Christ or just because you got filled with the Spirit. That's awesome. But listen, the battle is just getting heated up. Because he's not going to shut up until you go up. Right? I mean, until you cross over into eternity, the devil's not going to shut up. He's not going to let off. He's not going to quit. Harassing you, accusing you, threatening you, stealing from you, lying to you. He's a murderer from the beginning, Jesus said. See? And some people say, well, I don't know if I believe in the devil. (laughs) Oh, well, he obviously has you hoodwinked. You are believing a lie. There's no devil. Oh, well, you don't have to look very far to see devils all over. I used to, I remember when I was first starting out, people say, you you just think there's a devil behind every bush, don't you? It's like, no, there's probably a dozen of them. (laughs) It's like, come on, folks. Now, you know what? The devil has nothing over Jesus. Nothing, not one thing, not one thing. He does not win, not one thing. But the problem is, because of the way we think and believe, we give him a permission or a right of way to do things that he could not do without us saying, okay. You're a loser. You've always been a loser. Yeah, that's right. Things never work out for me. Well, you just made a declaration of what you're going to walk in in the next step. Things never work out for me. Well, why do you suppose that tomorrow morning things kind of came apart? Well, because you made a declaration today that they don't work out for you. You say, well, I don't believe in a positive confession. Well, I don't either, but I do believe in speaking what God says. Because what God says is eternal. It's not going to go away. It's not going to wear down. It doesn't wear out. It's not like my, my Chevy pickup. Doesn't have to be maintenanced all the time. You know what I mean? See, the faith in Christ just has to be stood in as it builds you into the man and woman of God that He intended you to be. All right, we got to get through Scripture. We got a lot of them. Where, Where is the clock here? All right, there. There it is. Don't be looking at it. All right. Now they'll be looking at it the whole time. All right, here we go. So Romans chapter 8, look at what he says here. For all, Romans 8, 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Say all. All. Say it again. 
Now listen, any of you been around when I've been preaching here, you know you have to have an attitude. Listen, Wyoming people have an attitude. Listen, if you're going to deal with the devil on a daily basis, moment by moment, you're going to have to get an attitude. Because he's going to run right straight over you if you don't. He doesn't care one whit about your life. Or anybody else's life. We may, you know, we, we, we kill 150, I don't know how many, million and a half babies a year. You know, people say, you know, devil isn't that bad. Oh, no, listen, he wants to kill you. He doesn't care about you, he doesn't care about babies, he doesn't care about anybody. He wants to kill everybody. So he wants to take you out. So listen what he says. Listen, all those, all those who are led by the Holy Spirit are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you a fearful slave again. See? (coughs) Excuse me. You have not received a spirit, that that of the world, that makes you a slave again. You're not a slave to sin, to fear. Listen, he says, listen, come out of that. Instead, you've received God's spirit when, you, uh, when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, or Daddy, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit, our human spirit, to affirm that we are God's children. See, he, he says, I chose you. While you were still in your sin, still in walking in the stupids, I mean, he chose you. He called you out of that. He chose you. He came looking for you. You understand? Woo! Hallelujah. And me too. See, he came looking for me. He had to drag me. (laughs) Come on, Dave. Come on. (laughs) Drag me out of a ditch. Listen. He loves us so much that he came and got us called us to himself, has a plan and a purpose for us, and every other person that's willing to trust him. Well, we've got to get on. Here we go. Galatians 5.13. We're going back to Galatians. You were in it last week for a bit. For you have been called to live in freedom. What have you been called to? Freedom. Freedom. You get an attitude. (laughs) Say it one more time. Yeah, I like it. You've been called to walk in freedom, to live in freedom. And he goes on, my brothers and sisters, that's what you're called to. Don't, be, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. In what? Love. In love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you always continue biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Hmm. Well, imagine that. So he says, listen, use your freedom to what? Love one another. Use your freedom to love. So freedom isn't just to do what you, whatever you want. See, today the definition of freedom is I can do whatever I want. It doesn't matter what, how it affects you. It doesn't matter. I don't care. That's not freedom. See, and sometimes, sometimes we, we get this idea when he says, listen, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful desires. <coughs> freedom is not a license to do whatever you want. It's not a license to do sin. It's not a license. Neither is it a law. It's not legalism that says you have to do it this way. 
You understand, God has way more patience than we do. You ever notice that? He's putting up with us. It's amazing. But listen to what he says. Listen, don't use your freedom as an excuse or as a reason to live out whatever you want. Understand, your freedom is so that you can have a power, an inner strength, an inner power and dynamic to really love. You know what the world needs right now? Every generation, doesn't matter if you're senior or if you're if Gen, Gen Z, it doesn't matter where you're at on the spectrum, our children, it doesn't matter. Every one of us need, say it with an attitude. We need love. We need it. It's not like optional. It's not like, well, I can live without it. No, you can't. We need it. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need some of that loving. Go ahead, do it. Yeah, that makes us a little uncomfortable, doesn't it? Don't you feel that? See, right there, it's just like I lost the whole crew. They're like, really? Really? You want me to do that? Listen, he goes on. He says, listen. That's not all. We're going to jump on down here. First Peter, this is such a great scripture. First Peter 5, 5 through 9, he says, In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of leaders or elders. And all of you, say all of you. All of you, dress yourselves in humility. <laughs> Pastor talked about that last week extensively. All of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate one to another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace. Say it with an attitude. Grace. He gives grace. Amen. You understand? See, see, we get a little weak knee. Devil runs over us if we're weak knee. Listen, I have to be able to say, God has given me grace. Grace is not unmerited favor only. That's Old Testament. New Testament is grace is power. It is the power of God to do the will of God. Grace is power. He gives us an inner strength, an inner power to do His will. So when He says, I've called you into freedom, then He gives you grace to stand firm. And then He goes on. Look what He says. He opposes proud, gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. Do we believe that? Yeah, yeah. some. <laughs> See, some of us are like, I don't know if I believe that. Yeah. Well, because, you know what? The Word of God is true. It's true. Whether you believe it's true or not, it is true. Yeah. It is truth. And if you will let that truth penetrate your heart it will change what you think, and that will change what you believe, and that will change what you're living in right now. See, some of you in your marriages, some of you in your families, see, you need God to bring some reconciliation, healing there, but you see, in order for that to happen, you're going to have to begin to believe that God can do what you cannot, and he will empower you to be who you are not right now. And it'll change you. Because his power is given to you. It's called grace. And he goes on. He, say, 
This is so interesting, isn't it? Give all your worries and cares to God because He cares about you. He cares about you. God is so good. He cares about you. He cares what you're going through. Everything that you're struggling with, whatever you're going through. He says, stay alert. Stay on watch. Watch out for your enemy, the devil. Prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering as you are. Wow. In other words, there's not anyone in this room that are not going through struggles that other people are facing right now across the earth. In fact, there's some that are across the earth that are being persecuted for their faith because they have trusted Christ, losing their lives for this. We sit in a lot of comfort here. Galatians 5 says this, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed passions and desires of their sin nature to the cross and crucified them. Since we are living by the Spirit of God, let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another or comparing ourselves with one another. Now, let me just tell you, this is a clear scripture. He said, listen, if you're living in the Holy Spirit, we need to learn how to keep in step with Him. So you can be in Christ. You can be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. You can be walking with Jesus. He's very real in your life. But listen, there's always more. And so the reality is that even though I'm in Christ, I'm in Him. The Holy Spirit's in me. He's working in me. There's an aspect of learning how to keep in step with Him. See, there's always more of learning how to to grow and hold on to that which he's given me. It goes on in Romans 6, 17. He says, thank God, once you were slaves to sin, but now, say now, now, now you are wholeheartedly obey his teaching or this teaching that we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin And you have become slaves to righteous living. So you've been set free from the slavery of sin, being held captive to sin. See? You've been set free from that in order to give yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ and let him be who he is in you. See, Jesus is big, and he wants to be big in you. He's awesome. He wants to be awesome in you. There's nothing that's impossible for him. And he wants to do the impossible through you. Right? Pick me. Right? Well, he did. <laughs> See, you could say, well, pick me. That'd be good. Go ahead and say it. Pick me, Lord. Well, he did. He did pick you. He chose you. He chose you. Scripture says from the foundation of the world, God chose you. He knew you. See, now that doesn't fit in our brain, does it? See, we can't wrap our mind around it. And so some of us are going, I don't know if that's really true. I don't know. How could he know? You know, well, because you can't, you can't fully understand. Your brain won't wrap around the reality and fullness of who God is. 
But he says, listen, now since you have wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly obeyed. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Because here's the thing. The problem with many of us, and I'm going to say, start, I got both hands in the air, okay? And I'm not asking for a show of hands. But see, the problem for many of us is that our heart has been so beat up, so wounded, so, so disappointed, so rejected, so abandoned. Our heart has felt so much hurt, so much trauma, that it's hard for us to wholeheartedly give ourselves. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this scripture out of Psalm 107.20, and then we're going to jump, gentlemen, to Isaiah. So Psalm 107.20 says this, God sent his word and healed them, and he delivered them, NLT says, snatching them from the door of death. God sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all of their distress. Whatever was distressing, whatever was pulling them backwards, whatever had a hook set in them, dragging them back, whatever trigger points were in their life that set them off, whatever those things were, God delivered them by his word. Pastor read it last week. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus responds to temptation in the wilderness. And he says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Well, that's not just this. It's the word that God speaks in real time to your heart as you're reading this. As you're quoting that verse, as you're facing that temptation, as you're dealing with that difficult confrontation, he is speaking in real time in your spirit, putting thoughts in your mind, my mind, in that moment that are life-giving. So we're going to look at this verse. In conclusion today, but I'm not done, so just hang on. <laughs> Isaiah 61, 1 says this. Great scripture. It's my life verse. Verse says. <laughs> so here we are. We're going to read it. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to bind up or stitch the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair or heaviness. They will be called. They will be called. 
Who will be? Those that have been a wreck. (laughs) See? And had the good news preached. And received it. They were born again. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were healed. They were set free from captivity. They were brought out of their prison. And they were able to walk in the year of favor. And they became the vengeance of God. See, God already did vengeance on the cross. It's over. It's over for the devil. You know who's working vengeance on the earth right now? Every believer who is in Christ, every time you make a decision for righteousness, every time you make a decision to love when you could have reacted in anger, every decision you make for righteousness punishes the devil. Every one of it pushes darkness back. Every decision is vengeance on the enemy. And so he says, listen, I'm going to give you a garment of praise. I'm going to give you beauty instead of ashes, joy instead of mourning. I'm going to provide for you comfort in the midst of your grief. I'm going to give that to you. But listen to what he says. Jesus quotes this in Luke chapter 4, verse 17. He quotes this scripture. He reads it. He doesn't quote it. He reads it out of the scroll. And then he says, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Because he is speaking prophetically here when he says, Listen, the Spirit of God is on me. He has anointed me to do these things. And so Jesus Christ is one that is bringing about salvation. This is a definition of salvation. Because the word salteria in the Greek is the word salvation. Sozo in the Greek is saved. Many times we'll say, well, are you saved? Have you experienced salvation? Well, that word salvation or saved means to be justified, to be healed, and to be delivered or set free. Isn't that interesting? Unfortunately, much of the church has limited itself to being justified. As long as you're forgiven and you've been born again, you're good to go. The problem is that we have a whole lot of our past that beat the tar out of our heart, and it looks like roadkill. Our spirit gets beat up. Now, we have a new spirit when we come to Christ, and the Holy Spirit can fill us, but the, but the events of our past that continue to define us and hold us into that past and don't let us excel and ex- be exponential in who we are in Christ many times is the hurt that we have experienced. And so I would just highlight this. The reality is that Jesus said, listen, I came to heal your broken heart. Let me just tell you this. 1 John 1, 9, many of you know it very well by heart. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to 
Cleanse us from all, say all, all, all unrighteousness. That's awesome. Isn't that good? Understand this. Sin has to be forgiven. Sin has to be forgiven. We okay? Yeah, yeah, we're good. <laughs> we can stand up and do jumping jacks in a minute here. Sin has to be forgiven, but listen, let me just tell you this. The much of the church is asking God to forgive the fact that they're hurt. But Jesus says, I came to heal the hurt. He didn't come to forgive your hurt. He came to heal your hurt. He forgives your sin. He heals your hurt. And some of us, see, we stuff the hurt. We get hurt, we stuff it. As children, we learn how to do that really well. We get wounded, we get abused, we get rejected, we get abandoned, we get disappointed, we pray and ask God for something and it doesn't happen. I won't ask for a show of hands. Many of us prayed, begged God to do things, and it didn't happen like we thought we were asking for. And we get disappointed with God, we get disappointed with life, we, we feel like giving up because we've been so hurt, so abused, so violated, so taken advantage of that our heart is a mass of hamburger, so to speak. It's been beat up. Now, Jesus is very real in our lives, and we love him, and we're walking with him. The Holy Spirit's working. He's speaking to us. We're hearing it. But there are certain areas that are trigger points, trauma points, where when those things hit us, we see that person, we see that situation, we, we see that place of employment, whatever it is, and it triggers something in us, and all of a sudden there's a reaction in us that we don't like. You know why? Because the secondary emotion that comes when we get hurt is anger. <laughs> the other day, I, I took my blue, my blue uh, Band-Aid off. That, my wife said, you should take that off. It's on my thumb. You know, I had this little blue Band-Aid on there. I, I like electrician tape to tape things up. <laughs> so the other day, I was... I was Trying to fix it. Trigger points continue to cause us to feel like we are not good enough. Anyhow, I'm telling you this story about the other day. So I'm I'm making a. I had to get a bucket. The only thing I could find was this big uh, plastic. Uh, laundry soap container that was empty. So I'm cutting the top out of it, right? And of course we know better than to cut towards ourselves, right? So I wasn't cutting towards myself, I was just cutting down. But my thumb happened to be on the bottom. And so when it went through the plastic, it went right through my thumb too. Thumbnail and all. Now, how many of you know that I didn't go, oh, that felt so good? <laughs> it was like, <laughs> now let me just tell you, I mean, the first thing is, oh, man, I'm running around grabbing a, grabbing a paper towel and plugging up the bleeding because it's all over, man. But the next response was, oh, David, what is your problem? Yeah. You know why? Because it ticked me off. 
that I was not wise enough to have my thumb out of the way when that knife went through. Right? Come on. You slam your thumb in the door. I mean, you know, first it's like get it out, and it's like, oh, man. And then you, so you guys look at me like you've never done this before. <laughs> you slam the door. Right? Nobody's ever done that. Oh, man, I've done it so many times. I could, I've done it for all of you. <laughs> or whatever. I mean, you know, you throw the wrench. You hit your, you, you know, the hammer. You know, you, you're twisting on that wrench, and it gives loose and spins off the top of the head, and you crank your knuckles into the steel, and, oh, it feels so good, and you just smile. <laughs> and all those words coming out of your mouth are just so pure and righteous. Right? Well, what's true in the physical is true in the spirit. But see, when we get hurt in here, we stuff it. Because we don't want anybody to know that we're hurt. For sure, we don't want the person that hurt us to know. But the problem is that left unattended, that hurt in about... 48 hours, 24 hours, begins to get infected. And once it starts to get infected, all of a sudden you've had those slivers in the end of your finger, right? Just a little stinking sliver. But it gets a little bit infected, and all of a sudden you don't, you don't want to touch anything with that finger. You, come on. You guys are still kind of look at me like you're not sure. <clears throat> See, because it gets a little infected, it affects everything. It affects the whole hand and arm. I mean, you can feel it all the way up your arm. Well, see, that's true. What, see, in the spirit, when we get hurt and we don't do anything with it, we stuff it. Because we don't know what to do with it. But Jesus said, I came to heal it. Give it to me. Let me heal it. You ask Jesus to forgive you your sins, well, then ask him to heal your hurt. Amen. It's the same faith that you step into when you say, gee, will you forgive me for being stupid right there? Does he? Yeah. Every time? Yeah. Uh, some of you in the back row, you got to help me here. <laughs> got to get that volume up here, front row, they're doing good. Right? How many times will Jesus forgive us? Every time. Say one attitude. Every time he'll forgive you. Every time. You, you, he will never stop forgiving. Why? Because he says, if you confess it, I'll forgive it. Amen. But the truth is this as well. If you get hurt, he wants to heal it. But if he doesn't heal it, you become a captive to unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, hatred, anger. Jealousy, strife, envy. Need I go on? All those things are infection. You understand? Those things come out of being hurt, wounded in our spirit. And when we have those things, they take us captive. And all of a sudden, we make statements like this, I'll never forgive. I'll never be able to forgive. Well, you just made a declaration of where you're going to live until you repent. Until you repent. 
But once you repent and ask Jesus to forgive you for unforgiveness and hatred, <clears throat> and, and please understand, I'm speaking out of deep experience. As a boy, I hated my dad for the abuse that I went through. I hated him to a very strong extent. But Jesus Christ took me through a process eight years after I was a pastor. Does that tell you anything? <laughs> of letting him begin to heal and stitch up all the wounds, all the hurts, all the abuse that I went through. Just asking him, heal my heart here. You know what he did? He healed me. And as he healed me, you know what? I was able to forgive. And when I forgave, see, Jesus spoke something very specific to me. Because my dad, when I was going through this healing process, 1984 to 1986, and I was pastoring, we were already pastoring in Casper, and, and I was praying through these things, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me one day, and he said, Dave, you need to forgive your dad for these things here that we've been praying through. And I said, well, that's a little tough because in my mind, forgiving him meant I had to go to him and tell him what a jerk he was, but I was going to forgive him anyway. <laughs> that was a little tough because he had died eight years earlier. And in my mind, I couldn't deal with forgiveness because he was gone. <laughs> Holy Spirit spoke very strong word to me. He said, listen, Dave, forgiveness is not about him. It's about you. See, forgiveness, forgiving somebody that's hurt you deeply doesn't affect them at all. Your unforgiveness, it's not making them bitter. It's making you bitter. See, Jesus came to set us free. He said, listen, I have come to liberate you into freedom. And so the reality is Jesus Christ wants to heal the brokenness. He wants to heal it. And so even when we recognize I, I've been in unforgiveness, we can ask him to forgive us, and he will, absolutely. But if we don't get that hurt healed, it's not very long, just like you go out and cut that tree off out there in your yard in the fall. Well, guess what's happening next spring? You got those little things coming up out of that trunk. You know what those are called? Suckers. And they're sucking life off of that root. You know what happens? You can forgive and do real good till you see the person. And then all of a sudden, it's like all that pain comes back up in your head. And it's like, oh, it's not good. So then you're trying to forgive them again. Listen, here, let me give you the key and we're done. Jesus Christ wants to heal our hearts. He wants to stitch up those broken places. Some people say, well, forgive and forget. That's not biblical. That is not biblical. So I can show you every scar on my body. I can show you the scars, but they don't hurt anymore. See? So when Jesus heals you, it's not that he takes the event away. It's that he heals it to where it doesn't hurt anymore so that you're not held captive by it. You're able to look at what you're living in today 
and move forward. Amen? And so, then he sets you free from resentment, hatred, bitterness, all those things. He sets you free. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting love. I thank you that you have called us into freedom. You have provided for us that we can be liberated. (laughs) It's awesome. Thank you, Jesus, that you're anointed. The Spirit of the Holy Spirit himself on you to heal our broken hearts, forgive our sin, cleanse us from every unrighteousness, to set us free from hatred and bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness so that we can walk in your favor every day and making those choices of righteousness, we punish the enemy. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love for us in your matchless name. Now I ask that you would heal even today those that would ask right now, those that have identified areas where they've been deeply hurt, rejected, abandoned, traumas. Lord Jesus, would you just come, Holy Spirit, and begin to heal as they ask you. Jesus, would you heal my heart in this area, this situation? I ask you, Lord Jesus, to bring forth a healing that you would start a reviving in this house of wellness and wholeness and hope in the name of Christ. Amen. Okay. All right.